You're listening to the Bold Face Truth Podcast, episode 426. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at amygreensmith.com slash EP426. Oh, hey there. Check you out listening to self-help pods and working on yourself. Fuck yeah. You know those situations where your boss asks you to take on yet another project at work or your partner asks you what's bothering you and you respond with a bold-faced lie? What would shift for you if you actually started telling the bold-faced truth? Everything. Listen, if you struggle with people-pleasing, perfectionism, believing in yourself, and could use a little help with boundaries or navigating tough conversations, you are in the right place. I am Amy Greensmith. I'm a certified and credentialed life coach, master hypnotherapist, and keynote speaker. Fancy. And I've been working in the personal development space since the mid-2000s. Vintage. Sometimes I'll be sounding off solo, and other times you'll hear amazing convo with super smart folks offering you tangible, easy to implement tools so that you can powerfully start telling the bold faced truth. Yes. Well, hello, pod people. Amy Greensmith here, and I have been thinking a lot about emotions lately. And unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard about Brene Brown's latest book called Atlas of the Heart, which in my oh-so-humble opinion, think is one of the most, if not the most important book of our lifetime as it relates to emotions and emotional intelligence and acuity and how that can radically affect the way that we are in relationship with one another. And sort of the premise of the book is that many of us don't have the literacy or the language around what we're actually feeling, which in turn limits us from how we are able to express ourselves to others and ask for what we need. And I found it really curious in the book, which it will link to it for sure in the show notes. I highly, highly recommend you get it stat. And also Brene has done a three-part series on her own podcast where she works through some of the concepts in the book, which I, I will also link to in the show notes. But one of the things that's so fascinating, she did a study actually I think quite a while ago, I, I could be getting this wrong, but she pulled a bunch of folks and asked them to name the emotions that they feel. And she's thinking that they'll come back with, you know, a, a handful of emotions, but the majority could identify three emotions and that's it. Mad, sad, happy. So it really got me thinking about this concept of mad. Most of us can really tap into anger. And there's a very real reason for that. It's one of our most easily accessible emotions. And it is also a piece of our defense mechanism. So when we feel a sense of fear or threat, we naturally go into that fight, flight, freeze, fawn response, well, fight is typically accompanied by anger, right? There's typically that large expulsion of energy that is pretty damn upset, right, when we're in that fight place. If you think about a fight 
mechanism in relationship that's often accompanied by anger. So I thought this is really worth a deeper dive and a dissection on what the fuck do I do with that? So if I'm in a place where I'm able to identify anger, what do I actually do with that? And and I think that that you might be surprised with some of the things that we uncover here. So I'm going to talk about four steps that you can take that are that are very linear and they go in order and this is how to address anger coming up for us because i think if if you were like many of us who are gen xers or even elder millennials who were possibly raised by boomers anger was a major way of communication and my my dad although incredibly emotionally intelligent and astute and really taught me a lot around emotions would also communicate out of anger. And in fact, one of the best lessons that I ever learned from him was how to clean up an anger outburst. And he would come to us after he had had a bit of a a bit of an outburst, you know, as we do, we lose our shit with our kids. Hello. And he would come to me, actually me and both of my siblings, and he would say, hey, I, I disciplined you out of anger instead of out of love. And that wasn't okay. And basically, essentially saying the way that I disciplined or the way that I communicated was not okay. The thing that you did, did warrant discipline. It wasn't okay what you did as well. But I should have told you that in a loving way. And he would ask for forgiveness. He would say, so will you forgive me? And that was one of the most, I mean, for a boomer, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) So, you know, you might be out there going, ah, that explains a lot about you, Amy. (laughs) But it's it's kind of interesting because my my two siblings are not that way, are not are not really overly emotional and kind of divulgent with with all the things that they're feeling the way that I have always been. But I really took that lesson to heart. And I think a lot of us have experienced anger and can pinpoint anger really clearly, but have a really difficult time naming or evaluating emotions that may be enveloped by that anger. And I'm going to talk about what that actually means. So here is sort of a step-by-step process, and then I'm going to follow that up with some do's and don'ts, some things that you might just want to have as sort of a rapid-fire do's and don'ts concepts for yourself around anger. All right, so step number one is going to be recognition and ownership. This is where you actually have the wherewithal and the personal awareness to realize I am in an anger spiral. I am royally pissed, so much so that you can actually name it. Now, one of the biggest entry points to our anger is blame. So we get locked into this blame, into this vortex, where we are so acutely focused on the other person and how they've done us dirty, how they, how we have been wronged by this individual. That's sort of that groundswell of emotion that comes out. And we 
So the reason I bring that up is because I want you to start noticing the correlation between blame and anger and how they are so very closely tied. Think about how we approach everything in our political atmosphere right now, whether we're talking about vaccinations or really anything, right, immigration. We oftentimes get really worked up and angry. And what do we do? We fucking blame So if you're in an argument with a sibling or a family member, oftentimes we get access into that anger emotion through the blame. That's the portal. That's oftentimes the entry point. So I think there's this piece of recognizing, holy shit, I'm fucking pissed, but then ownership over the emotion. And what that often sounds like is I am angry. I am furious versus the blamey way to say it is you are making me angry. You are making me pissed off. So owning it and and just saying, I am residing in this emotional state at the moment, right? Now, you don't necessarily have to say that out loud or whatever, but I need you to internally start that recognition process where you go, okay, I'm pissed right now. The second piece is what I like to call an anger release, where we are expelling the intensity of that emotion from the body. So if you are in a situation where you're having a conversation that's getting you super pissed, walk away as best as you can. Say something like, I think we need to table this. I can see that things are getting really heated. I don't want to continue down this path. We need to take a break. You can also have designed alliances with people in your life if this tends to be a pattern or you tend to have differences of opinion where you just call a timeout. Like, okay, stop. We're stopping. I'm done. Now, a lot of – so what I'm referring to when I'm saying have an anger anger release is that you will do this – As you are seething, if possible. Now, this isn't always (laughs) convenient. (laughs) So if your boss pisses you off at work and you aren't in a place where you can leave the meeting and go have your own private tantrum, you may have to postpone your anger release. But the reason why it's important to not overstep this is because that emotion is energy. You know, one of our fundamental basics of science, the law of conservation of energy, states that energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It simply is converted from one form of energy to another. So what that means is if we are in the habit of stifling emotion, of pushing it down, of not allowing it, of ignoring it, or bypassing it, layering on toxic positivity. That's why we call it toxic is because it's when the anger actually needs to be expelled so that you can move on from it. I oftentimes will correlate this to eating food that doesn't sit well with us, right? So nobody fucking likes to throw up. Like, that's not fun. It is something that our body is like, whoa, this isn't working. We got to get it out, but it's not pleasant. That's really similar to dealing with anger. It, it, Especially if you have negative 
associations from your childhood or anger was how any any type of disordered relationship with that emotion from your family of origin, it can make it really, really difficult. Perhaps you learned how to become the peacekeeper to avoid that. And so now the idea of tapping into your emotion of anger feels like you are becoming like somebody you don't want to become. And so that can be really difficult to parse out. But keep in mind that every time we actually throw up that food that did not sit well with us, we always feel better. We resist it. We're like, oh, I don't want to do it. Oh, that's the worst. But we feel like shit. It hurts. That energy is stuck energy. It's staying with us. But once we are able to get that out of our system, whoa, wow, you're like magically able to move on. And you can actually consume other foods that feel good to your system. The same is true for an emotional discomfort. You know, that's obviously a physical example Emotional discomfort is the same. If we continue to force that energy down, that anger down, nothing to see here, I don't want to feel it, it will find another vehicle to be released. Okay? We're not destroying it. We can't destroy that energy. It's just going to transmute into something else. That is why so often people who repress trauma, never work through trauma, never work through grief, can start to see physical ailments amplified at other times, right, later on in their life. In fact, I don't know if I've shared this with you all or not, but I have a hypnotherapist colleague of mine who works in an oncology ward, and so she's constantly working with cancer patients. And in interviewing them and just talking with them, pretty much like clockwork, about a year prior to their diagnosis, there was some sort of catastrophic emotional trauma that they went through that they did not seek help for, that they did not resolve, and has now manifested in that form. Now, am I saying that we bring on all our disease. Fuck no. I think it's way more nuanced than that. I think we have environmental factors. I think there's a lot to do with marginalized identities and how various communities are treated in our society, access to healthcare, all that stuff. Like I really think there, it's so much more nuanced than that. But I do think that there is a correlation between unresolved trauma, unresolved emotional pain and physical issues and health-related issues. Now, that can also be moving into something like addictions, right? I mean, talk about not wanting to feel something. Let's just drink that away. Let's just fuck that away. Let's just gamble that away. Let's overwork that. Let's dig into social media and just have a social media addiction. Anything that allows us to not feel is an escape from that anger, Right. So if we don't want to feel that anger, we go, "Ooh, what is it that I can use? And you've probably heard me say this before, that when we have emotional discomfort, we oftentimes will turn to a physical remedy. If something is we have an emotional feeling that we don't like, we try to fix it with a physical feeling. 
Probably the most noble of that is when we're stressed and we release it through a workout. We go for a run or, you know, we punch, do like some kickboxing. You know, I, I certainly do that. So we're searching to fix an emotional issue through a physical means. Now, that's the most noble. Sometimes we're drinking, we're having sex, we're doing drugs, we're eating, we're doing whatever it is where we're going physically. I, I want to feel something different. So maybe that will fix this emotional feeling that I don't want to have. All right. So the reason why I am underlining this so strongly is because I see people all the time who resist the anger release. They resist this this second step. And that's for a litany of reasons. We think that if I expel this anger, I will now become an angry person. I won't be able to shut it off. I have so much goddamn rage and upset that it will just never pass. And that's actually a fallacy. We know from the scientific research that emotions are fleeting, that they will pass. We will not reside in a place of anger. And in fact, by getting it out, we are able to move beyond. There's that great quote of the only way out is through. But we don't try to go through. We try to go, oh, maybe let's go this direction. Let's go around. Let's go on the outside. Let's build a wall to jump up. No, you have to go through it. And it's not comfortable, right? We're bucking up against a lot of family of origin bullshit of what anger meant and the associations that we've met with it. So number two is Allowing that anger to be released, expelling it from the body. Okay, great. So fucking how do I do that? We can do that through physical activity, like I was saying. But if you choose to do that, if you choose to go for a run or do some kickboxing or whatever your choice is, be very conscious in those moments emotionally that you're releasing that anger. So saying things to yourself or visualizing somebody's face or even saying, I am, I'm letting go of this anger or this is, you know, my, I'm allowed to feel what I feel. This is me releasing this. I'm moving beyond this. You cannot steal my joy. That was one thing that I used to say all the time. Gosh, like 15 years ago when I was working in cosmetics, I had a manager who I could not stand. And I would do these physical workouts, and when I was doing the workouts, I would say, you cannot steal my joy. Now, I would probably phrase that in the positive of, my joy is mine, right? But it was really powerful at the time for me to infuse the emotional component with the physical component, okay? So that's one element. You can scribble, like just take that out on some pieces of paper. You can break things. You can't have this. I am going to reclaim my power, you know, whatever it is. So if there's old T-shirts or things that you don't want anymore, rip those apart. Beat up your bed. You know, you can talk to someone. I've talked about this many times. My best friend and I will oftentimes say, hey, I need to tell you what I'm mad at. And we kind of keep it in a container, right, where we expel that within sort of a five-minute message that we leave for one another. So it's it's under the understanding of I've got to get this out to move beyond. All right. So we've got number one, rec- recognition and ownership. Number two is the anger release. Number three 
name the deeper emotion. Here's what I mean by that. And this is largely out of the work from uh, of Brene Brown. And you probably heard me talking about this before. And she actually has mentioned in Atlas how there that that a lot of researchers are still torn on it and that this one is a bit nuanced as well. But this makes a lot of sense to me. So I choose to attach to it. Anger is a secondary emotion, meaning, okay, let me let me actually take that back. Anger is often a secondary emotion, meaning that there is often a primary emotion underneath it. So how do we get to that emotion? So here's what I here's what I mean. We might feel so angry, right? Like our entry point is that blame. We get really, really pissed about our boss. And God damn it, she micromanages me and she this, she that, she this, she that. But if I step back from that anger and I go, what is it that I'm really, really feeling here? It might be embarrassment. It might be I feel dismissed. It might be I feel overwhelmed. It could be that your boss is just fine and maybe she had a bad day or something, but you're really feeling a lot of overwhelm from other relationships in your life or you're feeling stress or you're feeling anxiety or you're feeling depressed or any other number of emotions, okay? So the best way to get down to business with this is the question that I love to use, which is what is the real issue versus the surface issue. So a lot of times the surface issue is just whatever is being presented. It's I'm pissed at my boss for handling the project in this way. Okay. Anger. I'm angry. That's the surface issue. What is the real issue underneath that? Okay, and this is where it takes introspection and awareness and really checking in with yourself. That's when you stop and you go, you know what? It's not about her at all. It is that I have been feeling overloaded in my relationships. I've been feeling overwhelmed and stressed out because I have family who's staying with me. My partner and I are not getting along. My kid's school just called about some crazy, you know, thing that's going on there. So when you stop and think about it, the presenting emotion was anger. But the root emotion there was overwhelm or stress, right? So asking yourself in those, those immediate moments of anger, okay, anger is my presenting emotion. That is the presenting issue. What is the root issue? A great example of this can be fights with your partner, <laughs> okay, where you're getting really pissed off about the goddamn dishwasher. Like all of a sudden, you just become unhinged, you unleash a beast because the dishwasher wasn't loaded the right way. So it's manifesting as anger. You're having this altercation with your partner and you're doubling down like it really is about the dishwasher. Why can't you just do it? No, there's nothing else that's going on. I'm really mad. I've asked you so many fucking times. That's the presenting issue. But then we ask, what is the root issue? The root issue is I feel 
dismissed in this relationship. I feel unimportant to you. I have a sense of shame, like I am not good enough. I'm not worthy of love. I am worried about abandonment. I have this emotion of lack and scarcity, a worry around lack and scarcity, right? Could be worry. So there's a whole slew of either emotions or sort of experiential states that we can be in that are actually the real issue. And the reason why this is important is because then we can we can actually talk about what's really happening so that we can get to a result that feels good for everybody involved. So imagine the difference in the conversation if you're furious about the dishwasher. Instead of really doubling down and fighting about the damn dishwasher, you take a second. You say, you know what? This is not going anywhere. We need to take a break. Let's talk about this later. You go and you reflect and you go, okay, wait a minute. Here's the surface issue is the dishwasher is the anger. What is the root? What am I really, truly upset about? What am I really feeling? Disconnection, dismissal, discouraged, unloved, rejected, disrespected. That's a huge one in relationships. And then when you have that information, now you can have a much more productive conversation with your partner which then brings me to number four, which is synthesize that anger into action. Now you can go back to that partner or that person and say, I realized why I was so upset about the dishwasher. It was what it represented to me. That's just the surface issue. What really bothers me and what that act says to me is that you don't care about me, that you don't respect the work or the effort that I put into our household. And that in turn creates a lot of fear, right? You've identified there's some fear. There's a worry around abandonment. Now that conversation becomes radically more productive. Because when you are arguing about that goddamn surface issue, you keep fighting for being right. You keep fighting for, is it my way to do this or your way to do this? And we keep talking about that instead of what it's really about, which is what that action said to you, what it communicated to you, okay? So synthesizing this anger into action is about asking yourself now, now that I've processed this, now that I've realized that what I was feeling was extreme embarrassment or dismissal, disrespect, shame, now that I know this, now what do I need to do? Is there anything that I need to say or do to move beyond this anger episode? So if it is with your boss, let's say with your boss, they did something or said something in a meeting that really you took it as they didn't view you as competent and you immediately go into sort of this shame and embarrassment place, humiliation, 
but it manifested as anger. So you get home, you're all pissed off, and you're starting with that blame component. My boss did this and can't believe her and so rude, and you're focused on the anger. So you take some time, you do an anger release. Maybe you scribble or you journal or you break some shit in a safe way, of course. And then you start thinking about, okay, what's behind this anger? If that's the presenting issue, what is the root emotion beneath it? And then you start realizing, you know what? That was embarrassment. That was some shame. That was, I am wrong. That was some humiliation. Okay, now what do I need to do with that? And that might mean having a conversation with her and saying, I'm sure this was not your intent. But in our conversation or our meeting last week, when you were highlighting that, 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 I interpreted that to mean that I was incompetent or that I wasn't what you were looking for in that instance. And I'll be very candid with you. It was embarrassing for me. And I went into a place of I, I must be inadequate and not okay and not a good fit. And I realized that because of that emotion that I was feeling, I was going to in turn start to harbor resentment. And I don't want to do that because I value you. I value our relationship. And I really don't think that was your intention, which is why I wanted to have this conversation with you. So it might sound something like that. But because you have gotten down to what you're really feeling, now you can have a real conversation. Okay. As opposed to constantly complaining and doing nothing, right? Not doing a goddamn thing, which is many people's go-to, and then just complaining to everybody else (laughs) instead of doing something about it, right? Stuffing it down, leading to, you know, maybe some, some physical issues over time, chronically over time, or having outbursts, getting your ass fired, Right. So we typically have those two responses. I either am becoming extremely combative or I stuff it down. And there's a third option. Right. There's the third option is to grow and develop and create some more emotional awareness around that anger. And then what is beneath that? What is that emotion that I'm feeling? Naming it and then looking at what do I need to do now? Now that I know what this is really about and what I'm really feeling What's the conversation that needs to be had, okay? So again, the formula, number one, recognition and ownership. Number two, anger release, getting that out of your body. Number three, name the deeper emotion if there is one. And number four, synthesize that anger into action. The reason why I say if there is one, I don't think that it's really about getting rid of anger, eradicating anger or that I always have to get to the bottom of it. I think there are some things that I always want to stay mad about. I always want to be angry about school shootings. I really don't know as if there's much behind that other than all out injustice. And I think there are times when it gets to be angry. It just gets to be anger. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something deeper beneath that. But I do think that more often than not, there is. Typically for me, as I I see it, with major issues of 
injustice that are not directly related to me, that are not like somebody yelling and screaming at me or being abusive to me, but things that are on a bigger scale like gun violence or domestic abuse or things like that that are really egregious. I am upset and angry about that because it's worth being angry about. There's nothing else I really need to (laughs) unpack around that. Now, sometimes there will be if whatever that injustice it is that you're upset about has a direct relationship to you. So, for example, if if you have extreme anger around, let's say, domestic violence, you see that is sort of in a meta viewpoint as being just this horrendous thing and it really fucking pisses you off. But you also have experience of that with, let's say, a family member who was abusive. Now you have other emotions that are likely tied to that, like feelings of abandonment or disrespect or, you know, a whole bevy of different emotions that might be linked. So ultimately, I think it's about just checking in with yourself and asking, is there something beneath this anger? Is there something in tandem with this? Maybe it's they're both hanging out together or maybe it's a handful of them. Maybe it's shame and disappointment and anger, right? So all of that can coexist. But I think the the real power comes, and this is really what Brene has been talking a lot about, the real power comes in having the language for all of this so that we can ask for what we need and so that we can communicate in a way that we are far more likely to actually be heard, okay? So a couple quick do's and don'ts that might be helpful as sort of a quick Cliff's Notes. Do know that processing anger is important. It's mandatory. I mean, it's paramount for your health, truly. Don't dismiss your responsibility. Okay? A lot of times we think because I'm angry, I get to yell and scream and call people names or I get to return violence or I get to do, you know, no, you still need to to acknowledge your responsibility in the in the matter, okay? Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't. Please don't. And if you're in a situation like I was mentioning earlier where maybe you're right in the middle of a meeting or you're right at a family dinner and you can't necessarily do a nice primal scream right there, you might need to take a rain check on that. So it might be about journaling that at a later time or having a good workout after work and doing some of those tactics I was telling you about earlier. But please look for those opportunities to have a release of that emotion. Do know that communicating from anger rarely yields the results you desire. This one is tough because it's counterintuitive. Because when we feel wronged, when we feel threatened, we go into that fight mechanism many times. And so we want to yell and scream. We feel vindicated and validated in yelling and communicating from a place of anger. But when you are on the receiving end of that, do you ever want to work with that person? Fuck no. When somebody's yelling and screaming at you, you don't ever think, "Mm, wow, that's a really good point. I can't wait to work on that. I can't wait. I'm going to be so much better for you. You just watch. Never. 
That never yields the result. So there's a way in which we have to watch our reaction. And that's one of the difficult things, I think, with anger is it's so reactionary. So if we can just stop and breathe and go handle that anger in a way that's really productive, we're allowed to feel it. For fuck's sake, yes, feel it. But don't try to communicate in that place. It rarely, rarely yields the results you desire. And finally, don't try to resolve something when you're super pissed. It's alluring. It's it's really kind of like, yeah, let's just handle all this shit right now. Let it all out right now. <laughs> but again, it really is not going to yield the results that you desire. So if you can, really be assertive about, you know what, let's table this. I'll come back to it. Or... You know, in the in the early days before Mr. Smith and I really figured out our communication, I would say to him, I cannot look at you. I cannot be near you because I will say things that will not be okay for our relationship. So I'm going away. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, and then we started where we didn't have to do that, where we could just separate. We'd be like, okay. And we kind of both knew the process and we would really arrest any of those moments where we could start getting into things that you can't take back, okay? Do know that processing anger is important. Don't dismiss your responsibility. Don't sweep it under the rug. Do know that communication from anger rarely yields the results you desire and don't try to resolve something when you are super pissed. Okay, my friends, I'm hoping this has been helpful for you to give you a framework of working with that anger. And you will not get stuck in it. I promise you. I promise you. If you have a vault of anger that you've been stuffing down, my guess is that there might be some, you know, addictive qualities that have been coming out or maybe some physical ailments or (laughs) maybe some other things that aren't feeling too comfortable for you. So there could be sort of an onslaught where you have to navigate anger for a minute. So it might not be just one anger release. It might have to be a handful of them. But you will move beyond it. And trust me, it is far far healthier to do what I like to call control demoting, where you purposefully say, I'm going to expel this anger in this way right now. And it's in a safe way. You're not going to like key someone's car, burn their clothes or anything like that. You're doing it in a way that's very controlled. And it's really a reclamation of your personal power. It's emotionally intelligent. It's courageous. And it will create a ripple effect, not only in your health and well-being, in your emotional state, but also in your relationships. So there you have it. There's a lot to think about. But I want you to really keep this framework in mind the next time you are super enraged with someone and see what, what happens to shift for you. Next week on the show, I am going to be having a brilliant woman on the pod. Her name is Laura Gavanter, and she's going to share with us a tool. So it's going to be a tool episode. It's a modality that is very similar and kind of linked to the hypnotic modality. And 
It's called Psych K, and it digs into a lot of disempowering beliefs, maybe how you viewed emotion in the past, and some trauma that we've experienced. So I think it will tie in nicely to what we've talked about this week. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And I'll see you around these parts next week. And do not forget, you are enough. Your voice matters. So go out there and speak your bold-faced truth. Okay, wait, 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 just one more thing. So these podcasts, it turns out, don't actually rate and review themselves. So I would be over the moon if you would leave a review, rate the show, subscribe, and tell anyone you know who needs to start speaking the fuck up for themselves. And if you do, I will give you a mini pig. Just kidding, but I will be so very incredibly grateful. Okay, thank you, bye.